0: We're back with Build It, the weekly or so look at a new American non-league soccer scene. John Hall joining me as ever, and this week we have our friend up from Minnesota, Jeremy Rushing. Jeremy, how you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. All good here, I think. John, you okay? I'm doing, I'm just going to have a, another sip of coffee. Lovely. Is that 815 <laughs> United Grounds by any chance? It might be. Excellent. Excellent. Jeremy, <laughs> for those who didn't know, we have our own line of beverages, both beer and coffee, and soon to be water. Um... Available on all good websites, but basically our own website. Jeremy, um, hi. Don't mind us. (laughs) Hi, guys. (laughs) um, You came to my attention because of your blog, podcast, call it what what you want, Twitter profile, 10,000 pictures. Could you tell us a little bit about that, first off?
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, ten thousand pitches or uh, or ten K, as we call it for short, basically is uh, is just kind of designed to bring uh, a spotlight and uh, you know raise the awareness of uh, of local grassroots and lower league soccer here in Minnesota. There's a there's a huge mat. Um, I kind of found that out through some like accidental, you know, social media rabbit hole that I went down shortly after moving, uh, moving to Minnesota. And so I figured, you know, my first thought was, why isn't anybody really covering any of this? Because there's a ton of it. So I decided if nobody else is going to do it, I might as well. And uh, I have a, you know, huge passion for soccer. I grew up uh, kind of paying close attention to the US men's and women's national teams here and, um, you know, never really got into, you know, never really knew about, you know, local, local type soccer. Uh, until I moved to Minnesota because there's a huge presence in it here so that's kind of where the whole uh, whole concept started.
0: All right cool um, yeah it's a from my British perspective the local scene is way more interesting than national scene um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what drew me to you but a little bit about you you are a Chicago boy I believe from stalking you online.
1: Uh, Illinois uh, about okay. two, two and a half hours west of Chicago is where I grew up um, and then
2: I went that's to called, uh, college we call in the Chicago Germany, suburbs. Germany. Jeremy, we call that Iowa two and a half hours.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, from, I'm from the Quad Cities. I'm from Moline. Uh, okay. so basically oh, okay. Iowa.
0: Yep.
1: So uh, yeah, right on the western part of the state, right along the Mississippi River. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I grew up. And then I went to school in the Chicago suburbs. So uh, yeah, uh, kind of uh, a little bit of Chicago boy
0: through, from my time in college. For sure, but you were, you didn't fall in love with the fire, and I think you're just you're just national. Yeah.
1: I kind of grew up kind of like associated because they were the in-state soccer team. So I was like, yeah, I'm a fire fan, but no, there was really no true, uh, true support or allegiance there.
0: Mm-hmm. So then what was it about Minnesota? Um, I'm assuming you're Minneapolis. I don't know anywhere else really in Minnesota, Duluth, I suppose. Yeah. Just, just
1: outside of the twin cities. I, I live in the suburbs. I, I lived in Minneapolis when I first moved here back in 2017 for a couple mm-hmm. of years. And now I'm out, now I'm out in the
0: suburbs. All right, cool. And what, what, what was your first experience of local soccer in Entitlement. Oh, well, uh
1: to be honest my first experience was my first minnesota united game that's uh right. my first that's moved local. here that was the first year that minnesota united was an mls uh so i went to uh, tcf bank stadium which is where the university of minnesota plays their football games that's where uh that's where the loons uh started playing their home games uh, their first few mls seasons and uh I, I kind of fell in love with the whole atmosphere than any other soccer atmosphere I was used to just the the support and kind of the passion that that fan base has just kind of drew me in and um, like I said uh, sort of discovering the lower the lower league aspect of it it kind of came accidentally Uh, at a Minnesota United game I saw somebody wearing a wearing a Minneapolis City shirt that looked really cool and I was like oh I wonder what Minneapolis City is and I kind of remembered it when I got home so I I just you know on Twitter typed in Minneapolis City saw their Twitter account and saw that they played in the NPSL and I was like okay what's the NPSL and so then I sort of went down that rabbit hole of like oh there's teams in Duluth there's teams in Rochester that's pretty cool and then uh I saw that Minneapolis City also had another team in the UPSL so then I'm like what's the UPSL and so <laughs> I really just kind of went down this rabbit hole of discovering all these you know local le- all these leagues that have local teams and then uh the MASL which is uh amateur soccer league here uh, in the Twin Cities I uh, just kind of discovered that, and I was like, wow, there's a, there's a lot of soccer being played mm-hmm. here, uh, you know, under the Minnesota United surface, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of how I how I discovered everything. It was just kind of one accidental
0: social media rabbit hole one afternoon. Yeah, well, been there, done that. What's the – I mean, it's all very well saying there's a soccer scene, and God love it, there is, right? But is there a fan scene with a, alongside those soccer clubs and leagues, or is it player-driven?
1: Um, It, it depends on who you're talking about um you know when you're talking about the main club minnesota united huge yeah, yeah. fan scene there huge supporter base minneapolis city definitely a supporter base there yeah um but a lot of the other other clubs seem to be more more player driven but i think there is more of a fan driven presence just in lower league soccer in general here in minnesota than maybe you see in other places why would you why would you say that was
0: what, what have you experienced
1: uh, just experience more more supporter interactions and more um, you know just hearing stories. You know, as I talk to more and more clubs, just hearing the stories about talking about their supporters and talking about their fans and talking about people who come out to their games, uh, mm-hmm. it just seems to be more. It just seems to be more of that happening with the clubs here in Minnesota. You know, I don't you know I don't claim to I be an expert like, on what's yeah. happening elsewhere, but mm-hmm. um, you know it, I, I don't really think you hear that as much in other places than you do in Minnesota.
0: No. And that that's a bug bear in mind, is I keep on coming back to it, is we we need to be more fan focused and player focused, I think, as a as a mm-hmm. movement. Um, are the clubs that you're aware of that you know you've heard this, you've got this feel from, are they doing anything consciously or is it just look of the draw that they happen to tap into it in a Detroit City kind of way?
1: I think I think Minneapolis City really sets the tone, and I think a lot of the other clubs really take take from them. So uh, what Minneapolis City has done in terms of Uh, it's not just game day experience it's the way they interact with their fans in every possible way they can interact with their fans I mean they had they had more revenue coming in in 2020 than they than they ever have um and you know that's without any games right so it's Uh, just, you know, it's not just the game day experience, which they do put a lot, a lot of time and effort into their game day experience with vendors and and different things going on there in person, but just their overall outreach that they do, you know, beyond the pitch, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, doing live streams on Twitch, whether it's their people's pitch podcasts that they put out weekly or biweekly, honestly, I don't know how often they put that out anymore, but it just really seems that they, they take a lot of time and effort to reach out to their fans and, you know, entertain their fans um, not just on the field, but off it, um, that, that really kind of sets the tone for other teams. And I, I definitely see other teams in the state kind of taking cues from them, doing some of the things, not necessarily copying, but but really taking inspiration from them more than anything and kind of going along those same lines and doing doing those same
0: type, types of things. For sure, yeah. I think, was it was it protagonist? Well, I know it was protagonist. I'm not 100% sure that I'm right on saying this, but I think protagonist just voted them the most investable, if that's a verb, um, club in the country, right? In that recent poll they yes. did. You're, yeah. Um, for, precise, for precisely those reasons, right? They they are doing things that no one else at this level, he um, said, gesticulating wildly. At this level is are doing um, in terms of fan engagement and you know the focus on the I don't want to call it off-field product, but the by-field product maybe that's the best way. Of
1: yeah, hundred percent. I I completely agree, and you know that that honor is well deserved because of the time and effort they put in. Just just talking to some of the guys on the podcast from Minneapolis City, and just just the way they. The way they think about running their club and the way they think about their presence within within the community—not just the soccer community—but they they really talk about their presence within the Twin Cities community itself, uh-huh. um, especially the community within the Metro Minneapolis and St. Paul areas. Kind of having that presence, having that foothold, just in the general community, not necessarily just talking about the soccer community, um, is something that, that really stands out, and just the whole way they think about their presence is. Is, uh, is super unique and, and definitely something that I think a lot of other clubs can take cues from.
0: Absolutely. John, we need, we need to get, I, get our email. No I, I totally, yeah, yeah, no,
2: I totally agree. I, I think one of the things that we're maybe starting to see as a, as a nation and, and starting at this grassroots, semi-pro, amateur, minor league, whatever we want to call it level, these community clubs is, I think the ones that are sustainable or seem to be sustainable are the ones that do just what you just said, Jeremy, and focus on other things. And, and that echoes what Nick said earlier. Uh, player-focused teams, the outlook for the long-term doesn't always seem to be there, uh, mm-hmm. but when you, when you take the team out of it and make it's a club and it's a place for people to gather or a, you know, a team for people to support, it's the club around the players that really seems to build these brands that we all look to as, as kind of like North Starry, right? Like you said, and, there, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's anything wrong with the, the copycat thing at this point. I think we all need to be humble enough that, um, you know, w- other people are going to do good things and they're not proprietary. You know? mm-hmm. We, for instance, Forward Madison did a virtual match against COVID. And I reached out and said, Hey, I I love that idea. And I'm pissed. I didn't think of it. So can Mm -hmm. we do it too? And they said, yeah, I think we should all beat up on COVID and they were great about (laughs) it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But those kinds of things and, and Minneapolis city has has done a good job of sharing information about their operations. Um, And and I think that's what we're trying to do with our podcast too, is just kind of get the, get the playbook out there for, for clubs to survive in you know as many communities as possible and have you seen that in the in the Minnesota clubs have you seen a wide range of community focused two player focused and all points in between and then are there some that you not that I would expect you to name them but are there some that you look at and you go wow they might be doing some good things but I just don't know that they're going to be here in five years do you have like a feel for how the market is up there
1: yeah and then there are there are a few clubs that i i see and it's just it's pretty obvious that they could be doing more and doing better and you know especially because that inspiration with minneapolis city and and the clubs here locally that are doing the good things they could honestly just kind of take that inspiration from them and and start doing stuff themselves but you know and it's not something i'm going to judge a club on because as you guys probably know resources when it comes to when it comes to this type of thing can be can be pretty bare and sometimes you're doing all you can you know with you know and sometimes it just doesn't work out where you can have that extra time and put in that extra effort to really uh, uh, do that. If this is something you're doing on top of a full-time job on top of, you know, home du- you know duties at home and stuff like that. So, but I really think it is the clubs that put that investment into the community and into the, uh, the fans and into kind of making sure, um, you know, that they're, that they're giving back as much as they're taking in. I think you see that translate to then players and uh, what I've seen in Minneapolis city, especially recently coaches wanting to be part of that culture um, I talked to a, a, a woman named Ali Lipshire. She is uh, she was a four year goalkeeper starter at Duke. She recently just took the job to become the goalkeepers coach for Kansas City's NWSL team. She just before this a few months ago had signed on to become the goalkeeper coach for Minneapolis City. And not saying that that NPSL soccer is is beneath her at all, but. We just saw her take the job to be the goalkeeper's coach for Kansas City's NWSL squad. So she's obviously a very uh, quality sought-after coach. And the fact that she chose to join a club like Minneapolis City and in talking to her about it, she's like, who wouldn't want to be part of this culture? Who wouldn't uh-huh. want to be part of this club? I think you're seeing that community outreach and what they do to invest in the, the fan aspect and, and everything they do on social media and things really kind
0: of make more attractive to quality players, quality coaches at that level. Definitely. It's a, it's bigger picture than just where can I play with my, my friends, right? It's, it's more about, you've got to get kids. And I say kids, like people who don't know that you exist to want to, to be a part of what you're creating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Suddenly. Anybody,
1: yeah. anybody who plays soccer, coaches, soccer has kids in soccer uh, in the twin cities knows who Minneapolis city is. And I, I just, yeah. you know, you don't really see that in a lot of
0: other areas when it comes Absolutely to the not. awareness of a lower league soccer. They've club. done it, but yeah. Seriously, John, write it down. We, can, we need to get those guys on somehow, somewhere. I know Dan's kind of approachable, but yeah. I think, I think they'd be happy to. Yeah, I'm sure they would. We, we, we are very much in the sought-after item. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, outside of Minneapolis, if we're going into sort of the the rural, more rural parts of Minnesota, which there are very few, I'm sure. Um, is there life outside of the urban areas? Is there a soccer culture in you know, the wooded heartlands of Minnesota?
1: Yeah, so there are two other um, NPSL in, in clubs. There's one in Duluth, which is mm-hmm. north. Um, it's D- Duluth is, is its own entity. It's a very touristy town, beautiful in the summer uh you know right in the northern part of minnesota so it's always nice there it never really gets too hot or anything like that so um they're they're one of the largest the second largest city in minnesota or or third largest city in minnesota outside of minneapolis and st paul so they they have duluth fc um tim sass is the guy who who uh, runs them he's an excellent guy i've had him on the podcast a couple times they have they have their own really good operation going on uh up there and Mm -hmm. then there's um then there's Med City FC, which is Rochester, and the reason why they call themselves Med City is because uh, that's where uh, that's where the main hospital is in, in in Minnesota. So they call themselves Med City FC, which is very cool branding. They have a really awesome logo, um, and uh, they play in the NPSL as well. Right. So uh, there's two other teams there. Um, and then in, you talk about the MASL, that's primarily here in the Twin Cities, as well as the UPSL clubs are primarily here in the Twin Cities. Uh, but there is one just outside, uh, Dynamo FC St. Cloud. They're in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, St. Cloud States is uh, the, one of the main colleges here in the state. That's a college town there. Um, they have one of the best uh, uh, college hockey programs in the country. Uh, right. But anyway, so they have, uh, they have their own uh, MASL club there. Um, they're one club that even though they're at the grassroots level and more at the community soccer level, they have really put a lot of time and effort into their branding and into just the, the, their look and feel. If you follow them on Twitter, I think it's at, DC STC Cloud. Um, you'd you'd be impressed with some of the, the stuff they put out there on Twitter. It's just very good. Uh, very good branding from them. But anyways, um, they're another club that stands out to me as kind of being outside of the outside of the metro here. So yeah, there is there is a little bit of a presence, but a vast vast majority of it is right here in the Twin
0: Cities. And That's understandable, right? That's where the populace is. Okay. Um, yeah. let's go. To, let's talk about your blog, your podcast momentarily. Well, not momentarily. That's mm-hmm. why that's why you're here, right? Um, why did you think it fell upon? Why Why did you have the opinion that it was up to you to Put your thoughts or other people's thoughts out there. Like, why wasn't it just enough for you to know that it existed? So I've I've always had a passion for for soccer. Like I said, I never played.
1: I'm um, just one of those people that's always been very interested in watching the sport and, and taking in the sport. I, you know, like I said, I grew up being a huge fan of the U.S. men's and women's national teams. And then as soon as the Premier League was accessible here in the states, I would watch that pretty religiously. And then, um, you know, got into the, even though I didn't really have a devotion to a team, I'd watch the MLS and. Uh, so I've always been, been, uh, a big supporter and a big, big fan of soccer. So when I moved to Minnesota, uh, it was kind of cool that I was moving there at the same time that, uh, you know, Minnesota United is their first year in MLS and, um, uh, the, radio station here that actually carries the minnesota united games i worked a little bit part-time as like a sports update guy i was like their filling guy in the mornings when they're when their full-time guy was sick i would go in and and uh, do those morning sports updates so i got to kind of uh indirectly kind of associate myself with 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 the team that way and um, sort of start to integrate myself into the soccer culture a little bit. Then I started going to games and talking with supporters and talking with fans. And then that kind of started to cross over into Minneapolis city. So when I kind of went down this, like I said, when when I kind of started to discover all of this soccer culture here and I saw that it wasn't being covered, I kind of, in a way, was was already starting to integrate myself into that soccer community. So it was just kind of that perfect time, that perfect storm of like, you know, I, you know, I'm learning more about this. There you know i you know i have a radio background so and i wasn't in radio at the time so i was looking kind of actively looking for like an outlet to kind of talk about things that i enjoyed and things that yeah. i liked at that particular time and so it kind of helped scratch that itch too so it's kind of that perfect storm of, of circumstance coming together it was in the you know it was may of last year so it was right in the middle of the pandemic you know i was i, I had a little bit more time throughout the day to you know uh, downtime throughout the day to kind of uh, take on a new project like this and so um, it just all kind of came together.
0: All right, cool. Um, cause I, I, just feel like if, if you're not a player or a stroke fan or there's, and there isn't anything in your backyard, um, it's very easy to say soccer isn't for me in this country, right? Because it isn't, mm-hmm. you can't, when you're flying over America, you can see a baseball diamond every three yards. You can't see a soccer yep. pitch every three yards. And I feel like the, not alienation, but the, the sense of distance from the sport, um, must be felt in those more rural places, and stuff. The stuff you're putting out there of sort of embedding yourself with the people that are doing stuff in your state. I think that's invaluable to growing the populace of the sport. Right. Well, our, my big thing. Our big thing is that the MLS can do whatever the MLS wants to do. The MLS. Um, mm-hmm. Right. It's. It doesn't. It affects you because you live. In a catchment area, it affects us less because we're slightly out of a catchment area, albeit 70 miles or so from Mm -hmm. Chicago, which in America in terms is nothing. I appreciate that. But, you know, if you're in (laughs) if you're in Duluth, if you're in North Dakota, if you're in Wyoming, there is nothing there for you. So Mm -hmm. bringing people together and saying, hey, soccer actually exists here. I think more people need to be doing what you're doing and thinking about things on a state and county level and finding the people that are movers and shakers and not necessarily saying we need USL2 here because we don't, we, haven't, we clearly haven't got the thing, mm-hmm. but there is a community and let's grow it bit by bit, interview by interview. And I love what you're doing. Um, I, co- I come from a background in England where the blog thing, the sort of, there's a whole community of non-leaguers and people who just go around, who don't have a, a club affiliation, but just go around from ground to ground, to ground, to ground, drinking beer and, you know, recording their mm-hmm. visits and whatever. And I see what you're doing is a sort of an extenuation, extension of that. So God love you for it. And I, you know, if I wasn't involved with the Calb, I like to think that you would have been an inspiration for me to do something similar, Illinois or, or Chicago wide. So thank you. <laughs> Means yeah, nothing. To I, well,
1: and kind of playing off that, uh, I, you know, I grew up in Western Illinois. I grew up about hour west of where you guys are, uh, Moline, Illinois, Quad Cities. Again, it's one of those areas where, you know, we're three hours west of Chicago. There's mm-hmm. no real teams in Iowa, which is close by where, where uh, I grew up. So just soccer was, like you said, more of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And then as, as I, I guess, as I grew up, um, we got like an unofficial, like, I don't know if you know who the, like, the American outlaws are, but it's the f- official U.S. men's national or U.S. Yeah. Men's yeah. women's yeah. national team supporters group here in America. Um, so there was like an unofficial AO chapter started in the Quad Cities right ahead of the 2014 World Cup and so I, I, I joined right away because it, it was I was super cool and I thought this is something that, that was, you know, uh, really cool to be a part of and so we, we would go to this bar and we would watch the 2014 World Cup games and that was so new, so different that actually the local news came out and did a story on us getting together to watch these world cup matches as this organization <laughs> but it was mm-hmm. and and you guys probably know the quad cities while it's rural it isn't like a small area it's actually a pretty it large metropolitan it. area uh, the largest mm-hmm. between st louis and minneapolis actually and so the local news it's got a pretty large outreach in, in that area and so for them to actually go and, and and cover this this you know group of guys getting together drinking beer and watching watching the uh, u.s men's national mm-hmm. team and, and going crazy when they score against ghana it's like it's uh it was cool and that was where the wheels started turning for me it's like okay yeah soccer can actually be kind of a a a thing in these areas and it can be something that people talk about and people actually take
0: seriously definitely john yeah yeah we need to get that the club startup pack out to to jeremy's friends over there all right there's clearly a market there for that that would save us having to go to iowa as well if we can get them
2: I'm, uh, i'm i'm with you i see your notes here buddy
0: <laughs> so, Jeremy, I don't, I don't know if you've picked up on our Twitter feed in the past, but um, as a, off the back of this podcast, John and I have a club startup pack, uh, which is you know I throw a couple of books our way, and we will give you all so most of the documents that we have evolved over the last two three years um, in the creation and the sustainability of the Cal. John's better places to do it because he's been involved talk about it because he's been involved in most of them. But um, for yeah, for if you've got any colleagues out there still who um, you know are you're still in con- speaking terms with who you think might be interested point them our way and we will happily talk to them and it's not a money-making yeah. exercise right we are just literally trying to we always say like between us and Chicago there's 70 odd miles there should be at least some, we should be driving past 70 clubs to get you to know it's funny
1: List, listening to your podcast I've actually the thought has crossed my mind is like even though I'm not there anymore it would be kind of cool to be part of like starting
2: a soccer mm-hmm. club in, in the Quad Cities. So yeah,
1: I I might take you up on that for sure. (laughs)
2: Jeremy, (laughs) Jeremy, the interesting thing was, it wasn't like some brilliant idea to, to put a pack together. It was that I was sending so many one-off emails to people for like, I, Hey, do you have a sample of this document? Do you have a sample of this document? Hey, what did Mm -hmm. you do for this? What did you? And I was like, why don't I just PDF it all and we'll put it on the club's website and the club can make a couple of bucks because that's, a fundraiser and God help us we all need the money to operate our clubs and mm-hmm. let's just pool all of our resources, put it together, and then there's some we just started pitching our own thing, didn't we, again, Nick? Sorry. Oh, then, that's that's well we're I, always saying because we got
0: the brand to get out there, John. We say we need to do this better. So and But you're, that, you're yes.
1: organically yeah. integrating it into the content. of go. the
0: show. Which uh, organically. Yeah. There's no full thought oh, about oh, it yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> not for sure. I would I would say, um yeah, just on this, and going back to what John and I were talking off air beforehand, um, being remote, being far away, means nothing, right? John's literally set up an entire league that is taking the whole national infrastructure by storm remotely. So if he if he can do that, I think you can set up a club remotely. And you know, I wouldn't recommend going and saying, "Hey, Santa Fe, are you ready for me?" But if you've got contacts, <laughs> if you're part of that community, no reason why not at all. So yeah, we've, maybe we'll talk off air. Definitely. Yeah, sweet. Um, all right, what's your favorite story that you've covered so far and i don't mean like you know the person you want to go drinking with best although that might be the same answer i don't know but
1: oh man it it may seem like recency bias but i have to say um i did a episode uh it was my first episode it was our first episode of 2021 actually we talked to a few representatives from the karen football association and if you don't know who the karen uh community is um it's a It's a community of individuals who were based in Burma. And then in the 1940s, when the Burmese won independence, they actually forced all these Karen individuals out. So um, all of the individuals who are, you would say are of of Karen descent, they're actually uh, descendants of these refugees from Burma. Uh, So what what they, and a a lot of them, there's there's a large Karen presence here in the United States. And so Kyle Johnson, he's the guy who uh, runs the Karen FA. He, um, he is a high school uh, girls soccer coach here in the Twin Cities. And he, uh, the high school that he coached at, there were a lot of individuals of Karen descent who both went to the high school and tried out and played for the club. And he really got a sense for how vast and how large the, the Karen community is, not only in America, but here in the Twin Cities. And so he developed the Karen FA, which is an actual national team football association for the individuals in America of current descent, so it's their Excellent. own national team.
0: Uh huh. So are they, based... are they part of that Canifa thing? Uh, yes, they are. They, are. Yeah. Yes, they I are. You said dismissively, Sorry, carry on. Yep. So they're part of Canifa and
1: they they uh they actually have a really large presence in the futsal community. Their 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 futsal uh organization is they go to national tournaments all the time, and they're they're really uh uh they, they have a huge foothold there. But they're they also are launching these men's and women's actual national teams for uh, the, the Karen people, which it was huge. Um, and so I just, I talked to them like, how do you start a national, Hey, how do you start a national team? That's not in America, but you're starting it in America. Uh, and you just kind of learn the history of, of the Karen people and, and the community that they have and how it relates to soccer. And we talked to a couple of the players uh, as well about their kind of backgrounds, their stories. And, you know, what, what what's great about, about that is, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but um, what's great about that is, you know, there aren't a lot of, um, you know, there aren't current individuals who are playing professional soccer right now. So oh. the, the senior members of the current FA are the role models are the individuals that these younger people in these communities are looking up to and uh-huh. they're using soccer in terms of being those role models. And they, you know, just as much as they focus on soccer, they focus on a lot of personal values, you know, gender equity, uh, you know, racial equity, you know, things like that. And it's just very, it was very cool to hear their story and how they are sort of uh, promoting these values through soccer and kind of really making a positive influences and, and really making positive influences in these communities through soccer. It was, it was
0: fascinating. It sounds like, yeah. Hopefully that'll get you another five listens on your podcast by plugging it here. So, um, <laughs> so. I'll, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in for that one. Um, all right, and then so I guess the counter to that is, what's the? I don't, I, I don't know how to phrase it, but the, the most depressing thing that you've encountered so far in terms of Minnesota soccer. Let's put it like that. Oh, that's a good not question. This, not to bring this half down. And, and,
2: and not, not necessarily on the podcast. Maybe just something you've seen. Yeah. You know, witness. Um, not, not, not that you're going to call out somebody that was on your podcast and tell them it was horrible. Yeah, I have this terrible guest.
1: I, I don't, I, it wasn't a guest that I had on the podcast, but there was, a, there was a supporters group for Duluth FC. They called themselves the Duluth Dreadnoughts. Don't don't look them up. Um, I think I've stumbled across they, them in the past. Yes. Yeah, the, during 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 last year, the events that happened in May, the tragic tragic murder of George Floyd, you know, the a, a lot of clubs in, in the state of Minnesota were were doing some positive things when it comes to bringing more awareness to, uh, you know, the the steps we can take to to improve uh, improve things here in America, and also uh, picking up the pieces here in Minneapolis too. You know, a lot of businesses and a lot of communities were really affected by that in a negative way. So. Um, you know, a lot of teams and a lot of organizations across the state put out statements and, and, and things like that. And um, the, the, the supporters group kind of uh, went the other way, let's say, and, and you know, uh, started mm-hmm. started promoting promoting the opposite side, I guess, yeah. uh, for lack of a better term. And, uh, you know, it, it just it, it was it was unfortunate because I know Tim and I know uh, his values and I know the values that Duluth FC bring and to have a supporters group that's not directly affiliated with the club but is closely, um, you know, closely seen as very close to the club, kind of bring a negative light on that club through their own actions and through their own, uh, you know, hatred um was was you know it was unfortunate for me to see I felt really bad for Tim and I, I I felt really bad for the people at Duluth FC um because it really cast a negative light on them and there were some people who didn't know the full story who thought you know Duluth FC kind of supported those views and was affiliated with that supporters group directly and which wasn't the case so yeah um, it took a, a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of time and clarification to kind of uh you know put that you know Bring bring everything to uh, to light that needed to be brought to light in terms of they're not affiliated they don't support those views but uh, mm-hmm. for that short period of time I just it was unfortunate I felt really bad for Tim and and the people there
0: yeah the, yeah it's a, it was a horrible horrible time not to pay, make mm-hmm. light of it right but if, but again I guess if that's the worst that's that comes of it is like three crazy people in their mom's basement you know try and exactly. hang onto something <laughs> then we're doing we're winning somewhere along the line right um, mm-hmm. all right cool we are come to the end of the first half. Um, so with second half, we will dig into the blog some more about your plans for the future and whatnot. Um, hopefully you've got a couple of questions for us. You don't have to, but if you do, then start thinking about them now. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you, <laughs> excellent. If you just want to hang up, and then we'll pick up the, the second zoom in a couple of minutes. Thank you, gentlemen.) <whistles> <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back. To second half of Build It with us. Just Jeremy Rushing, founder, creator, chief blogger of Ten K, Ten K Pitches. Um, John, we're speaking in the break. You said you had a couple of questions for Jeremy yeah. about the local scene, so I'm going to give you the floor.
2: Yeah. Jeremy, I admire from afar the density that you have in the Twin Cities in terms of mm-hmm. clubs. Right, with the NPSL, UPSL, uh, the amateur league. Big picture. Um, I don't expect to solve this on our podcast, but can you talk a little bit about the potential if everybody was somehow aligned and I'm not talking pro rel, but just some sort of definition of just what the hell everybody is.
1: Yeah, I mean being that that we're you know as you mentioned john so dense and there's such a wide population here in the twin cities too you know there's a lot of cultures right there's a lot of little neighborhoods with their own with their own cultures whether it's talking about the somali community or um the hispanic american community you know the, or uh, just just the different neighborhoods in general the different communities and so there is that kind of room here for minneapolis for all those teams to kind of exist and have their own supporters bases from other people within those communities as well. So, um, you know, you're talking about DeKalb, you're talking about Rockford, you're talking about, um, any other, those kind of, you know, rural to kind of, uh, middle urban type, type, type places across America, you know, you know, having different neighborhoods and different communities, you know, teams to represent those specific kind of smaller, uh, you know, population areas, um, you know, that, you know, that to me is kind of what, what we do here in the twin cities. And, you know, that to me is a formula that could over time, I, I think kind of manifest itself in,
2: in kind of smaller communities as well. Do you think though, having, uh, and, and uh, Nick mentioned it, I'm on the board for the Midwest premier league. And that was a, a journey that I personally didn't really intend to go down, but it just sort of happened. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think that the ability, because you had strong, League options for various, uh, truthfully, it all comes down to money at some point. You have various cost options to, so your neighborhood team can afford or has a platform maybe to play in the state league or the city league or whatever, Mm -hmm. or if they want to go NPSL or if they want to go UPSL. Do you think having those leagues in an area has a positive impact on, or a diverse set of leagues has a positive impact on? club's ability to find kind of where its level is and then sustain from there.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it's even the MASL, you're not talking about your your over you over 40s adult league of guys who get together and who you maybe used to play, you know, in some sense, and just kind of get together to stay in shape. Like it's, it's more than that. Right. It's, it's ultra competitive. It's, it's high level soccer. Even at, if you were talking about the team at the bottom of the MASL table, you're talking about still highly high level soccer, high quality soccer. Um, and so that's me, I guess, uh, you know, having all those leagues, it definitely helps these clubs kind of find their niche. Um, I do think the Twin Cities is pretty um, unique, though, in the fact that there are, you know, we talked about it being, you know, these clubs need, you know, clubs in general need to be more fan centric. But we are pretty unique in the fact that there are a lot of high level quality players and a lot of high level quality talent to make up all these different teams within all these different leagues, too, in this area that I don't know you're going to be able to find in other places to kind of replicate that.
2: So that, and these are, these are perfect questions because we don't necessarily have that. In Chicago, we have a, a, there's three or four different more city leagues that are also, you know, high level. And then um, obviously, Midwest Premier League, there's a little bit of NPSL. Um, I don't even know if there's really any UPSL left, whatever, but doesn't matter, right? Find your level mm-hmm. and, and figure it out. Do you think over time, because you are that much, I'd say farther ahead in in city development, city soccer development, or whatever we want to call it. Do you think that the players, the the players, you know, those guys that are playing now, were you 15, five or six years ago or seven Mm -hmm. or 10 years ago, they saw those things and they said, wow, there's a place to continue. Do you think that had a positive impact on player development? I think when they were able to inspire the youth.
1: Yeah, it's easy. You know, I don't necessarily want to call call it a fallback, but, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of keep that motivation when you when you say, OK, even let's say let's say I have aspirations to maybe go go MLS or go USL or, you know, something like that but i know that even if i don't do that there's still going to be a place where i can i can play that high level competitive soccer and be in that environment you know within the community level and the community aspect i think from a personal standpoint it would keep me motivated to keep going and you know stay in shape and stay playing for longer you know it'd be i'd be less inclined to maybe maybe quit or or, or leave the game or maybe deprioritize the game you know for
2: for various reasons right. yeah and i yeah i i i'm interested because you know our clubs going into our third season it's our fourth year um, which I'm tired of saying quite honestly it's our third season <laughs> and I think those are the things that we're trying to figure out that impact it's not so much what we did year one year two year three I think it's going to be that long-term um, impact on on the youth that mm-hmm. are watching from afar and maybe they only come to one game a year but the, and then they you know then they see our league is growing and I don't care I don't care. Obviously, I think our league's wonderful, right? I have to say that. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you play for the good of the game, just be able to find a level where you can sustain and have an yeah. impact. Yeah, so- I think. And I think, John, you don't need to have
1: a league that has eight, nine, 10 teams in it. If you can find, you know, like you guys, you know, let's say you're 23 team. Maybe your only options are to play Rockford and one of the suburban Chicago teams. Well, shoot, play them four times each, play them six times each, you know, just be in that, continue to be in that environment. Even if you're in an area where maybe it's not probable or possible or viable to have a ton of different teams, even if you can just scrounge three or four teams together and, and, and play and, like, like we alluded to earlier, focus more on the fan aspect. It doesn't matter if you're playing, you know, three teams, four different times, you know, as long as, as long as it's entertaining and as long as there's some entertainment value there, you know, that can, that can still make things sustainable.
2: So what do you see in your, again, in a dense market, what do you see from a fan's perspective of, do you see that supporter like, like we, have an external hatred for Union Dubuque two and a half hours away. <laughs> Rockford doesn't realize what's coming for them this, this spring because they're 45 minutes away. Yeah. And do you see that in a dense market where this neighborhood team goes and plays 25 minutes away at this and they get some support to follow them and people look forward to the road matches and the away experience?
1: If we're talking about talking about the MASL and, and the UPSL clubs, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Because since I started the podcast and since I kind of started integrating myself into the, into the community uh, and starting to learn more about the community, you know, it was, it was during the beginning parts of COVID. And so while there have been a few one-off tournaments here and there, you know, we really haven't got to see that supporter, see how vast and how, um, I guess, connected that supporter base is to those community clubs. I know that within the NPSL, there's a big rivalry between Minneapolis City and Duluth. Um, you know, so there is that there at that level, but as far as the community level here in the twin cities, uh, I, I haven't seen that, but we really haven't had the opportunity to see that yet, at least since we started the podcast.
2: One other thing you mentioned earlier, which was a perfect segue, but then I started blabbing my mouth again, as I do, you said something about each, each neighborhood or, or whatever it is. It's the, the Haitian community has its own team or the Croatians do, or the whatever, or the English for Nick um thank you how yes i just want to make sure you're still awake the the thing that i always get stuck on is um for instance when you go start when we hang up you go start quad city football club which i'm excited to talk to you about how are you going to make the people of the quad cities feel as passionately about being i'm from the quad cities this is my home as you do with um, like, for instance, I imagine, Nick, you're, you're here, and I imagine if you, if you talk to another Brit, it's kind of like, a, hey, high five, we're buddies, because we're both British, right? Totally. So totally. H- I, how, how, do I, uh, how does every club get people where maybe it isn't a cultural or an ethnic thing, it's just a geographical thing? How do, how do we make people okay. have that same sort of pride just in my pin on a map?
1: That's that's a good question, John. To be quite honest, I don't I don't know if I have necessarily have the answer for you, but um, I, I think I think as we referred to earlier, though it's going out and getting in that community. John, I, I've listened to probably four or five episodes of the podcast over the last you know few weeks, and I hear you talking about boots on the ground, right? That's the that's your mm-hmm. it's your phrase of the month, but it's it's huge, and that's to me is something that you would need to do. Let's say I started QCFC tomorrow. Uh, it would have to, you know, I'd have to go back in the Quad Cities and start knocking on doors and handing out flyers and doing those things to really make sure that people were aware of, of, of that. And also uh, what the club could bring to the community. Now, what that specifically would be, you know, we'd have to figure that out, but it it'd just be, have to be getting out in the community and getting your name out there through, whether it's giving back, being part of a, you know, a food drive or, or whatever, just, just making sure that, you know, you, you, you raise that awareness and, and talk about what you can give to the community, not necessarily what you want from the community. Um, obviously, you need to have that conversation. You need to gauge what people are looking for, but more about how you're going to give back and how you're going to give right. to
2: them. Interesting. Interesting thing about decal, like right? everybody's seen that flying ear of corn. Right. And yep. if I was a few years ago, I think my wife and I were I don't know where we were, Florida or somewhere at some bar. And there's a flying ear of corn, and we're like, hey, that's from my house. That's where we live. You know, like you have that brand recognition that, well, not only mm-hmm. it says decal, which helps, but, you know, things like that where your brand is, you know, like just transcends everything that you're doing for people. And I think I didn't expect you to necessarily have an answer, but I think it's always an interesting thing to bring up because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make people connect to our brand because of what we stand for in our mission in the same way that others do just because hey wait you're Brit, or hey you were in the army too me too high five let's have a beer together you know Mm -hmm. and and i think that's that's where all of us clubs can can grow if we can figure out better and more ways to tap into that uh, my last question that i wanted to ask you was because i'm uneducated on minnesota soccer how how powerful and influential is the state association is it, is, is it prevalent? Is there a good partnership there? Is there state cup tournaments and things like that? Um, how does the state governing body assist all these clubs?
1: Um, I, I do think, I think there's a lot of freedom there because honestly, I haven't, I haven't heard of much influence from the, from the state association. So I think it's one of those things, the less you hear, the better, right? um but uh in terms of the, there's no state cups at least as, as as far as i've seen um that may that may be due to covid but uh, you know even pre-covid um you know doing some research and talking to some clubs i didn't you know i didn't get the sense that there was some sort of state cup tournament so it doesn't seem like there is really much involvement or influence which i guess is both good and bad right they're not overbearing but they're not you know it doesn't seem like they're uh you know there's much of a much of a uh, much of a presence there with the clubs. It seems like there's a lot of freedoms for these clubs in these leagues to kind of uh, do things, uh, do things as they wish, and kind of you know fulfill their own vision. Sure.
0: Hey, sorry. sorry. Hi, I was on mute. Um, just to go back to what you were saying prior to that question as well, John. I think the, the there isn't a silver bullet, right? There isn't a one size fits all response. But it goes back to what I keep on saying. I think is just that being a soccer club isn't enough. Being a soccer club doesn't get you embedded in the community. Being a community club gets you embedded in the community. Um, if, the, if people wanted a soccer club, it would have existed before DKCU set up or before Minneapolis center set up or whatever, even before before Detroit City set up. Um, mm. The ones that win are the, one, the ones that stay around and become headline stories are the ones that become their community. The, the, the community, they embody them embody the community themselves right they don't try and force themselves into the community say hey we're a soccer club come and watch us we're great soccer 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 it's just a this is a thing that allows you to be proud of your community allows you to be proud of being in the army allows you to be proud of being British whatever it was going back to your thing John Um, it's recognition of where you've come from rather than what you do I suppose is the simplest way of thinking of it for me I think that's how clubs get double their attendance because most people like it, Whether we like it or not, the three of us, we're in the minority in this country. Most people in this country do not care about soccer. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it's the fourth, fifth, sixth best-watched sport, um, and there's a reason why it drops off after high school, and there's a reason why it's predominantly a female-led sport, um, despite what the with Don Garber and the MLS would have you believe. It's because people don't care. So being a mm-hmm. soccer club is not enough in this country. You've got to have something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. Rant over. Um... <laughs> all right john does that does that conclude the voting from your side for now the questions you have
2: no i love it i it's a great conversation yeah
0: definitely all right jeremy do you have any questions for us uh, having listened to uh, by your own admission four or five of these god-awful podcasts
1: <laughs> no i i love your guys' podcast i told you i was a big fan and i meant it but uh i guess the first question i have and it's a pretty general question and it is something that we've you know we've done some outreach to the clubs around here to kind of gauge this but like Let's say somebody in the community started a a you know a, a soccer related podcast or or media some sort of media platform tomorrow. What is the one thing that you could tell them that they could really do to to sort of uh, help you guys? And and what would you be, I guess, wanting as a club from them in terms of you know helping support you and 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 helping you know raise the overall awareness of your club and your community? I've got an answer,
0: John. Have you got one or no? No, that's a fa- That's a fabulous question. Go ahead. Dick. <laughs> he does it professionally, you know, or wants to do it professionally. So I think it goes back to what I literally what I just said. I think um, if if you're to- if you're creating a local podcast, um, a local media outlet, then the market isn't there to talk to be soccer-focused, but the market is there to be community-focused, and I would expect us to give us the opportunity to have a five-minute segment once a week, right? Make it a local radio-type thing. Give us the opportunity to run competitions, and you can come and do a live broadcast from our doobie, and you can have special access to our players and our staff and our coaches and our fans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you are bigger than that, if you're a protagonist, if you're a non-League America, um, I think you've just got to think of us as part of... A bigger project i don't think mm-hmm. with a great respect to steve bailey and i love steve steve can't help us without us helping ourselves first um dan and the boys are protagonist you know they can send all the send all the stickers they want but they can't help us without us helping ourselves if we're no good it doesn't matter how many fashionable shirts we sell in san diego or oklahoma we've got it's not about mm. results on the pitch it's great if we win five nil every game but if fans aren't coming out, it means nothing. We've got to we've got to position ourselves whereby protagonists whereby non-League America have to talk about us because we're the biggest thing in DeKalb. We've become the biggest thing in the next five co- counties around, and all of a sudden we're the biggest thing in American sport, right? Minneapolis being the perfect example. They didn't wait for someone to say, So, how are you gonna go about being the best thing in town? They said, we wanna be the best thing in town, so how do we do it? Mm-hmm. And then people came and asked them for their time and their expertise and their knowledge. But they didn't go out and say, you know, beg. They just took it, would be my response. John?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think that's, that's exactly it, is, is what's your audience? If your audience is the national Twitter scene, like in many ways ours, this Build It podcast, that's what it is, it's brand awareness. Um, And I don't think necessarily that anybody out there cares that we did a fundraiser with a local organization. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's great. They did it and good for them. Doesn't, it doesn't move the needle necessarily for outside of our community. Um, But I think for us, and I think that's what Nick, we've talked about is uh, we need to connect better right here Mm -hmm. and, you know, finding a, finding a platform that people in the community can, you know, our radio station here locally does a uh, guest DJ thing, you know, every morning at eight 15, they have somebody come on from the community and talk about a community thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Same, same concept, you know, but in a, maybe a podcast format or, or a written format or whatever that connect to the people that it impacts the most. I think mm-hmm. that's, and, and maybe that's just cause that's where we are as a club that we, we've done okay, you know, nationally, but, but it doesn't put butts in seats as we have seem to be repeating mm. ourselves <laughs> podcast after podcast but it's it's all good but it's just part of it as nick said there's no silver bullet to any of it it's it's you got to shoot a lot of bullets and hope to hit a whole bunch of stuff yeah. so mm-hmm. so i think media partners are wonderful um but again it's figure out what the target audience is and then you know, yeah. Then figure so out how you. If, you can help. if
0: you've got that daytime, if you've got that eight fifteen slot on Friday mornings at the on the local breakfast show, that's great. But just rocking up there and say, "Hey, we're playing Nowezville, Alabama this week." Hey, we're playing Kentucky Wanderers this week. The people that care already know. You're not converting them by going on the radio station and saying, "Hey, we've got a soccer game this weekend." How you're converting them is saying, "Hey, we've got we've got this high school fundraiser." Where you know where the cheerleaders are painting everyone's faces this weekend for the for the boosters. We're doing this thing for community local businesses whereby you know show, bring your proof of address and you get a free burger. I don't know what it is, but you know. So there's a reason to come that isn't there's a soccer game on. As long as you put as long as you put your money through the gate, I don't care what you do after that. I would love you to come and sing and dance and throw a smoke bomb, but mm-hmm. your presence is far more important important right now than anything else.
2: Did we even come Um, close to answering the question you actually asked? I think we answered our own question, (laughs) Joe.
1: That's all right. It was good insight. And I, and I do appreciate it. Um, We've been looking at obviously, you know, being a podcast, one of our goals is to, you know, uh, obtain some revenue to give us some financial flexibility. I have no, I have no, you know, uh, I guess, wrong visions that this is going to end up being like a full-time job or, you know, something that that is going to be able to support me financially. But, you know, I do want to, you know, make this, you know, a revenue source and make this, uh, you know, get a little bit of uh, income from this to help us fulfill the things that we want to do um, as a podcast within the community. But I also want, I don't want to do it in a way that's going to necessarily cannibalize the clubs that we are, we are wanting to support. You know, I don't want, you know, a, a local business to give us, you know, X amount of money. Um, but then because they gave us X amount of money, they're not going to be able to give that local club that money. Or I don't want to, you know, we've thought about, oh, do we do like a, some sort of subscription service where we put out premium content, you know, for people who give us, you know, a few bucks a month. And it's like, well, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, take away from somebody potentially getting a Minneapolis City Duluth FC, you know, membership, uh, because that that's counterproductive to the, the uh the mission of our podcast to help support these clubs so i guess my question is do you have do you guys have any ideas or any insights on how you know a a media a media platform or a podcast like ours can can you know obtain this revenue without necessarily taking it away from from those clubs and from those you know partnerships that that we're looking to create within that soccer community itself
0: no there you go (laughs) next question (laughs) if we did if we did we'd be doing it Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if yeah. if you if you're that's true. Okay. Yeah, if you're getting into American soccer for the money, you're doing it wrong, right? Um, yeah. and I know you're not. I understand, you know, that you've got overheads and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, unless there's a bigger brand, um, you know, Steve Bailey had come back to the League America has only just now branched out into into merch and whatever, and he's got grand visions. Um, and he felt as far as I'm aware, he funds so much of it himself. But unless there's a unless the podcast is part of a bigger media enterprise um whatever that looks like i don't see it honestly and i'm not an expert you know i've done seven 17 episodes of a podcast and that's it but um i don't see a way that of monetizing this the the market is finite for what you're doing and for what we're doing um and i'm okay i, I don't want to put words in your mouth but i'm okay with that right we're speaking to the mm-hmm. people we speak to that, because they want to hear us um and mm-hmm. if that's the case we can't sort of you know tap them up for Money. You can stick your stuff behind a Patreon if you think it's worthwhile, but um, mm. you've got then it becomes a chore to to. You know to create the the content, um, and if you're doing yep. it for the love of it, just do it for the love of it. Got it. I think I,
2: I agree. I agree hundred percent. I think that's that's one of the things I struggle with too. I mean, you know, all of us, all of us that that work at, at a club or at a at you know our league is a volunteer run league as well. We do the podcast to spread the good word for the game and, you know, all these kinds of things. It's very difficult to monetize it. It's hard to convince somebody to spend 30 or 40 or $50 a year to support the club. Mm -hmm. And I know exactly what you mean. You don't want, you don't want um, you don't want to take away from the clubs. You have, you have nobody to cover. And I guess, and I don't know how you would do this either, but I guess my thought from you is not attack not attack the readers or the listeners or the whatever is is those partnerships with the clubs and say hey i want to do a weekly weekly with you during your season 15 minutes mm-hmm. and and make it more exclusive to support the club on a club level
0: yeah
2: and um make it you know like like i said make it weekly if you said hey i want to, i want to get the county united update every week from you, can we jump on for 10 or 15 minutes, talk about the last match community stuff and what's coming up next. Um, that's the kind of stuff that, again, in your, because your audience is Minnesota, you've got mm-hmm. the right audience. It doesn't, you don't yeah. do it any good for DeKalb at this point because you're Minnesota, but if you go to uh, whatever Med city and say, Hey, I want to be a media partner. Um, let's do one game where I get 10% of the proceeds. And Mm -hmm. of the ticket sales, that game or whatever, and use it that way where I'm going to promote the snot out of the game. Hopefully Mm -hmm. you bring in extra money and I get a percentage back. And in turn all year long, we're going to do a 15 minute spot that you guys can use to promote it. You can have your president on, you can have your head coach on, you can have a player on, you tell me who it is at two 30 on Tuesdays. We're going to do a 15 minute med city spot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that would work, but that's, the only idea that comes to mind after 30 seconds of planning got it and that
1: that that makes a ton of sense we do have a couple routes that we've we've gone in the past and that we're pursuing there's actually is a local company here in in the twin cities that actually outfits soccer clubs they actually make you know make kits and outfit clubs and they have an option where the clubs can actually sell the kits through them and so we've partnered with them in the past and there's something more long-term that we're negotiating with them right now and then there is a you know um there's a local uh, PodMN. It's a Minnesota podcast, you know, Minnesota-centric podcast platform, Strictly Podcasts from in-state Minnesota. Um, you know, we're developing a partnership with them as well. So uh, we have found ways to sort of navigate that in ways that are, are going to be more productive to the Minnesota soccer community, not not counterproductive. Um, I just, you know, I wanted to continue to try to pursue those avenues. So uh, I, I'm glad that I, I got that insight from you guys. No, it's, it wasn't
2: my time Strong,
1: play,
0: it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it it was. I, I I've got quite a few notes here, John. You'd be you'd be proud. Ah, well, good. Just you wait until we talk off air, my friend. Um, listen, <laughs> I think we're I think we're winding up here. Have you got have you got anything else you want from us at this moment?
1: Uh, no. I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and you know, uh, having me on to talk about talk about what we do here. And you know, uh, if anything, I hope that this continues to be a positive influence and in, in letting people know that. You know, from a community aspect, from a local aspect, there is there is a market of people uh, who want to who wanna hear about soccer. And, you know, if you have enough local clubs or so there's enough of a local community soccer presence outside of the MLS, outside of the USL, outside of the men's and women's national teams, if there's enough of a local community soccer presence, you know, there's, there, there's something there that, that can be done to continue to shine a light and, and bring awareness to those clubs, those organizations, those teams, those leagues – um, you know, there's there and there's there's people who want to hear it. There's people who want to listen and take in that
0: content. Definitely, definitely. If you're listening to this and you haven't and you've got the little fire in you, just go and do it. Right? Don't wait for someone else to do it. That's yeah, well do said. it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, anything you do is better than not doing anything. <laughs> literally, I uh, I downloaded Zoom
1: on my computer. I put in my Apple you know headphones that have mm-hmm. the little microphone on it, and that's exactly how I recorded my first episode. Didn't buy any new equipment. Didn't. You know and and i have podcast equipment now When once i realized it's like okay this is actually something viable and something that people want to consume and something i can do long term i kind of did invest at the time in, in a little bit better equipment but literally i mean it was just my computer and my and my earbuds to start yeah. out with and that's all you need you know you don't need to buy a 400 dollars podcast kit on amazon to, to start
0: a podcast he said bitterly you, you know. i tried that and it didn't work out me so i'm back i'm back on the headphones so i, I agree wholeheartedly right. well
2: well, Nick, we haven't figured out if we're viable yet. That's the problem. Well, no,
0: indeed. <laughs> indeed. It's got to be tax deductible. Well, yeah, right? you have yeah. a fan in me. So you, oh, got, you, have, you. you
2: have at least one recurring
1: <laughs> listener, guys. So, no.
0: That's all we did. Hey, is there anybody you think we should be talking to? Nation- statewide, nationwide, international? I mean, there's so many clubs here in Minnesota
1: and so many leagues and so many things going on. Um, you've, you've talked to a couple of the WPASL clubs. And I, I guess I should iterate, it's not just Minnesota. – we've kind of branched out. You know, Originally it was just Minnesota because there's a lot of it. But mm-hmm. being close to the Wisconsin border, we've talked to some of the teams in the WPASL. Like uh, you know, you guys talked to Caden uh, yep. from the WPASL a while back. We've talked to him. We've talked to Josh at Batoa FC. Yep. Um, you know, we've, we've talked to the Ford Madison guys quite a bit uh Grays Lake FC in Iowa. We've talked to them quite a bit. So, um it's not just Minnesota, but it's definitely we keep it we keep it pretty semi-regional. So, any of the clubs within that area uh, are definitely great to talk to um and uh you know they're they're willing to give you the time, which is great. Yeah, and they they're they know a lot about the sport. They're very knowledgeable and uh the the one consistent is just the the passion they have for developing soccer specifically in the inner cities. I just talked to uh, a guy, um, Mario Wimberly, he runs the local futsal association here in, uh, in Minnesota or a futsal league, I should say a futsal organization here in Minnesota. And he was talking about one of his passions is bringing the sport, bringing, bringing soccer, futsal, you know, developing that presence within the inner cities, because here in Minnesota, a lot like, uh, it is in, uh, in, uh, around the country here in America you know soccer is really only primarily accessible to people in the suburbs and people mm-hmm. who can afford to participate in the pay to play system that we have in this country right yep. um so the passion that some of these clubs have you know for developing soccer within inner cities and you know letting people who, who grow up in these in these uh, urban neighborhoods grow, grow up you know with a soccer presence in that neighborhood um is is something that i i it's been the one reoccurring fascination that I've had in terms of just how passionate these guys are about that particular aspect and something that I always strive to ask about in every episode, how they're, how they view that and how they are looking to kind of improve that. Mm
0: -hmm. For sure. I mean, we've had a couple of those guys on, as you say, and their passion and their enthusiasm and the way they present themselves has been, you know, very impressive. So uh, there's good things happening up north, regardless of the state, I think, is basically what we're learning from this. Um, Where can people find you, Jeremy, online? Uh,
1: Yep. We're at 10 K pitches on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're far more active on Twitter than the other two. Yep, um, right and my, my kind of co-host and partner on this, he's, he's 21. And he's like, nobody my age even uses Facebook anymore. So we, yeah. we really don't pay too much attention to the Facebook page. So sorry if you're primarily on Facebook, but Twitter, <laughs> Instagram is where you can find us. Uh, 10 K is our, uh, is our website. You can check out all the episodes there. And then, um, yeah, just 10,000 pictures on wherever you get your podcasts. So yep. That's how you listen
0: to go. And definitely recommend it even if you're not a Minnesota. They It's a cracking listen. Jeremy. Thank you, guys. No worries. Thank you very much for your time, Jeremy.
2: Now the time has come for leaving Fear now we shall return We were so glad we could make it But so sad we got to run Well, it might be a long time
1: Till we raise another glass You can rest assured that next time We'll have ourselves a
2: laugh we hey.